0: And welcome to the Narrow Road Podcast, a place to share the journey of walking with God on the narrow road that leads to life. I hope that you find rest and encouragement here, but above all, the awareness that you're not alone on the way. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Narrow Road Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Bowyer, and it is my pleasure to be back with you for another episode. Today we are actually finishing off the last story in Luke chapter 10. We got through the majority of the chapter yesterday, but I felt like I was rushing a bit and I wanted to make sure to give this last wee story um, all the attention it rightly deserves because there is quite a lot of, um, quite a deep message in it. And so that's exactly what I'm going to do today, where it's the story about Mary and Martha. So where we left off yesterday, on Jesus would have just taught that Mosaic lawyer about what it is to be neighborly. Who is a neighbor? How are you a neighbor? Through the form of the Good Samaritan parable. And it was very profound. I took so much away from that. So finally, we're going from that particular parable where he ends with that story, and now he kind of leaves the man, he's continuing on his way, and he is coming to the home of Mary and Martha where they are going to host him. And it says that um, they were in a village called Bethany, the village of Bethany, if, in fact, they were in the village of Bethany, according to a commentary I was studying before this episode, that would put them roughly two miles outside of Jerusalem. So at this stage, he's he's getting closer and closer to his end goal, which is Jerusalem, where he knows he will lose his life. So that's sort of the, the context and the timeline of what's going on. And let's go ahead and dive into this very short passage and see what we can extract from it. All right, so we've already read this passage yesterday, but I'm going to go ahead and reread it for us so we are fully, fully aware of what we're talking about today. So this is Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, reading from the Amplified Bible. Now, when they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all her serving responsibilities, and she approached Jesus and said, "'Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me to do the serving alone? Tell her to help me and do her part.' But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. I love how absolutely human this story is. I love it. Because some of the other stories that we've come across, they're sometimes so profound, so wild, in terms of like the miracle or the circumstance, that it really sometimes feels like you're you're reading a, a novel, you know, you're reading something that you just feel so separated from and it's just so fantastic. But then you hear these little sort of backs and back and forth between Jesus and just regular people that is it's just so incredibly relatable. You can actually place yourself in the story and you can understand the, the, the moment as if you were there. I love that. And I also love that inside of these relatively simple human exchanges between people and Jesus, that there's actually so much depth in them. You can literally hear the kindness and the love of Jesus when he's responding to Martha, when he says her name twice. Martha, Martha, you can, oh, it just like gives me this like cuddly feeling like you can feel him just sort of calming her down and just meeting her in this place of understanding and compassion while also being willing to, to push back on her, you know, and, and not just cater to her emotional moment, you know, her feelings in that moment. But he does it in this loving way. I can just feel the love in him speaking to her like that. Oh, Martha, Martha. <laughs> uh, but it's so good. So Mary and Martha are the sisters of Lazarus, which we will probably get into his story at some point when Lazarus um, dies and Jesus resurrects him. So these three are particularly important and unique to Jesus. In fact, this is the one family that we see the shortest verse in the Bible spoken or written about when it says Jesus wept, and that was when he encountered Mary and Martha and how absolutely devastated they were over Lazarus' death, and he wept with them. So he cared deeply for this family and was no doubt enjoying his time there, Martha being Martha, she welcomed him into the home, and she's straight away diving in to serving responsibilities. Because I would guess it wasn't only Jesus in her home. I don't think that she was simply catering to him. There was probably, you know, disciples with him, perhaps a large group, small group. Um, but there was a lot to do. You're bringing people into your house. There's a lot to do. And so you can't blame her at all, right, for like just getting tucked into, I want to I serve him. You know, they understand who he is. They want to serve him. They want to give him the absolute best experience they can possibly give as a host. But her sister Mary, it says, seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually listening to his teaching. <laughs> so She took a very different approach to how she was going to honor Jesus. I think it's interesting because it's not that one was bad, and one was good, but they were two very distinctly different approaches to honoring Jesus. Maybe Mary wasn't even thinking about what I'm doing is honoring to him. Maybe she was literally just that desperate for his his wisdom, for his love, for his attention, that she was going to sit at his feet regardless of how he felt about it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you just... There was a form of honor bestowed on Jesus both ways. But I think there's something unique in Mary showing him that you're in my house. The best way to honor you is to give you my attention. It's to listen to you. It's to learn from you. It's to respond to what you're on the planet to do. You know, it goes back to that parable where he says, you know, do you mourn with while the bridegroom is with you? No. Right now, we drink wine, we rejoice because I'm with you. But there will be a time, you know, it's like there's a time when serving is going to make a lot more sense. But right now, while I'm right here, while I'm with you, while that passion is burning in your soul, sit at my feet, get everything you can. Mm. I think it's also interesting in this story that Martha was so busy and distracted with everything she had to do, she still approached Jesus and said, she she basically like tattletales on Mary. <laughs> you know, in, in the flurry of all of her activities, she still has time to tell on Mary. <laughs> and, you know, instead of going to Mary herself, I mean, perhaps she did. We don't know every context of the whole exchange, but she decides to take the matter to Jesus. She is escalating this conflict day. And so... She decides to go tell on Mary (laughs) and she's like, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to do the serving alone? Can you tell her to help me and to do her part? You know, like it sounds it literally like I swear I could like hear either myself or my sister like telling on one another when we were like 12 years old in the exact same way. Dad, you know, Rachel's not doing anything. She's just watching TV and you said we had to clean our room. You know, are like you going to tell her to come clean. the room? Like, you can literally hear it. Like, you can hear, like, petty, <laughs> like, childishness in the whole, like, hey, I shouldn't have to do what isn't shared equally. This is both of ours' house. We're both hosting you. Yeah, it's just funny. It's funny that in the, in the moment she had so much time. So much time. She had no time at all because she was so busy, and yet she still had so much time to go tell on Mary but the Lord is so good. He's so good. And he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, he's reading her mail in a moment in that moment. You know, Martha thinks I'm coming here. I'm completely justified. This is a justice issue. You know, he's going to understand. He's going to see the value in what I'm saying. And he's going to look at Mary and be like, you know, Mary, go ahead and help Martha. She, she know, she needs some support. Like she's expecting like full retribution here. And Jesus just like reads between the lines. He goes beyond what her actual frustration is. And he says, you're worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. You know, here it is, you know, really, Martha's only bringing one concern to him. But he's seeing so much more than one concern. Perhaps he knew something was going on in her life um, that she was sort of throwing herself into serving to distract herself from or to not not have to see maybe something she needed to bring to Jesus, but she wasn't going to bring it to him. And she could throw herself into serving to avoid, you know, That encounter with him. But he says, you are worried and bothered and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Do you see this consistent theme throughout the Bible? Remember when we studied that scripture um, out of Psalms with King David, this one thing I desire. This one thing I will seek to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and to gaze upon his beauty. Like one thing, there's this constant theme of Jesus saying, Oh, yeah, you know, he'll look over at someone and say, Follow me. You're only missing one thing. You're only missing one thing me. <laughs> and he says, But only one thing is necessary. There's only one thing you need. And he knows it's himself. He knows it's himself. You have all these things you're worried, you're bothered about, you're anxious, you're thinking about. But you only need one thing, Martha. And Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. The time spent with Jesus no one can take from us. No one can add to it, no one can take away from it. Everything else we devote our lives to worrying about and thinking about can be taken away, but not this one thing. Mm. Okay, finally, I just want to read a brief article to you guys that is going to sort of take this and maybe in a bit of a, just a slightly different direction. I'm going to read a little bit out of a commentary and then I'm going to read this article to you and we're going to call it a day and have a short episode today. Woohoo! All right, I'll be right back. Okay, so I just want to read out of the enduring word commentary just for a moment, just a couple of additional thoughts to round out um, our perspective of this story. Um, This particular part of the commentary is focusing in on Mary being distracted with much serving and that leading to this irritability. It says, Martha did nothing wrong in working hard for Jesus. That was good. Her problem was that she became distracted with much serving. She was distracted from Jesus. There are many people who become crabby and irritable in their service for the Lord like Martha was. It is easy to look at all we do and to criticize those who don't seem to do do as much. But Mary's real problem, Martha's real problem wasn't Mary, it was Martha. She had become distracted and had taken her eyes off Jesus. Martha's frustration is typical of those who diligently serve with good intent, but forget to also sit at Jesus' feet. The Martha spirit says, if the work is done is not that all? The Mary spirit asks whether Jesus is pleased or not. All must be done in his name and by his spirit or nothing is done at all. That was Spurgeon. I think that that's really 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 interesting. You know, we've heard that, you know, do you have a Martha spirit or a Mary spirit, you know, and and I, I, I get I get the analogy. It's just it's not that simple, right? Because there's actually value in both of what they're doing, but it's more about priority, order of priority. <clears throat> well we all know people who who do stay so busy, unendingly busy, and you wonder when do they ever sit with their own thoughts? You know, when do they ever rest? When do they ever sit with Jesus? you know this be still and know that I am God when does that happen you know there're just this flurry of goings and doings and and yeah you you know it's definitely something to look at and i think it's interesting too that they call out the irritability of martha in that place and it wasn't because she was doing it wasn't even because she was experiencing what she res- she's considered maybe an injustice. Like, oh, it's being all put on me. That's not fair. Whatever. No, they're saying the reason for that irritability was because her eyes came off of him. Because you can do serving with your eyes firmly rooted and in- on Jesus. But when you get so distracted with probably more what was going on inside of her. Remember how Jesus said you were worried, you were anxious about many things you know perhaps she was distracted by so much going on internally as much as externally that that was actually creating this block between her and jesus that she couldn't quite get beyond and it created this irritability that she had to lash out on someone but if she had been able to quiet herself and serve with joy while looking at Jesus, she wouldn't have missed anything. And she probably wouldn't have cared either way what Mary was doing because she would be doing it unto the Lord and she would be fully consumed with the honor and the joy of what she was giving to that moment. Yeah, I just think that that's interesting. And then dropping down here, the last quote, this is by Spurgeon. It's talking about Mary having chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. Mary's good part was her simple devotion to Jesus, loving him by listening to his word. This was Mary's chosen focus. Imagine not that to sit at Jesus' feet is a very small, unmeaning thing. It means peace, for they who submit to Jesus find peace through his precious blood. It means holiness, for those who learn of Jesus learn no sin but are instructed in things lovely and of good repute. It means strength, for they that sit with Jesus and feed upon him are girded with his strength. The joy of the Lord is their strength. It means wisdom, for they that learn of the Son of God understand more than the ancients, because they keep his statutes. It means zeal, for the love of Christ fires hearts that live upon it. And they are much with Jesus. And they that are much with Jesus become like Jesus so that the zeal of the Lord's house eats them up. People say we need revival. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. So, yeah, I love that. I love Spurgeon. I like. I love his take, his interpretation of so many things. And now, lastly, I just wanted to sort of hand over to this article written by lisa chan if you don't know who lisa chan is she's the wife of francis chan who was a very effective probably in like the 2008 to 2013 time period francis chan was like really on the scene he wrote books like uh forgotten god and oh i can't remember the other one that was probably even bigger than that one and he passed a church out in um california that he left Um, he's a a fantastic man and his wife is fantastic they have been in ministry together for a very long time Um, she's truly an incredible woman and when I found this article that she wrote about the one thing the story between Mary and Martha I knew that I needed to include it in this episode so I'm going to go ahead and read that in just a moment let's hang on nearly there (music) Okay, who knew such a few short sentences in the Bible could actually pack so much of a punch, eh? But it's just one of these stories that's really stuck with me. I knew it needed its own episode entirely, and it's kind of nice. It's given me a big a break from these really big, meaty chapters and the ability to just kind of dive in deep on one of the passages, so I'm really enjoying that. Let me get in now to this article. It's called, Only One Thing is Necessary. By Lisa Chan and it is coming from the Desiring God um, ministry which is the John Piper ministry John Piper's ministry and I just hope that this article kind of takes this story and makes it as personal to you as it possibly could be if you haven't been able to do that already let's go she writes God is too easily forgotten in all of the madness of our busy lives Who has time to pay attention to spiritual things? We can sometimes be too busy, too tired, too entertained, or too overwhelmed to care. Or maybe in our deepest heart we do care, but we don't even know what to do about it. On the one hand, we have all these tasks and duties and responsibilities weighing us down. On the other hand, we have God, the very God who says, Be still and know that I am God. Being still sounds nice, but we live in a squeeze of pressing demands. Does God really expect this of us? In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, Jesus gives one of the most poignant answers. And it's the same scripture we've already read. Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and, uh, and she had a sister called Mary. Who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Many of us have felt like coming to Martha's defense when we've read this. Poor soul. She only wanted to serve. We can't all be like Mary, can we? But Jesus' words ring in my ear every time I read this account. One thing is necessary. I have to ask myself, do I actually believe that? Is it reflected in the way that I view my life? I'm not used to thinking about what's necessary. When I look at my time management, I usually break it down into these three categories. Things I must do, such as paying bills or feeding my family things I should do, such as exercising or cleaning out the creepy refrigerator, and things I want to do, such as going out to dinner or shopping. But Jesus, our Lord, said only one thing is necessary. If this were a suggestion from a friend or an idea from a great book, I might be able to dismiss it as simplistic. But this is Jesus. He's not simplistic. He's speaking to a woman's heart and cutting right through her every defense. Imagine that God invited you to a great banquet. You see a magnificent table overflowing with spiritual food. Everything you really need is on that table. Comfort, wisdom, peace, love, worth, joy, victory, forgiveness, truth, patience, and the list goes on. God's heart is that you would sit down at the table with him and eat as much as you need to walk away deeply satisfied and equipped with everything good that you may do his will. "'But so many of us don't sit and eat. "'We may dash in for a quick bite, "'but the little burst of energy fizzles out pretty quickly. "'We may stand outside the door, "'waiting for others who have had their fill "'to come and bring us some leftovers. "'This is not only lazy, "'it makes no sense when we are given a personal invitation. "'Sadly, I picture many of us crawling around under the table, picking up crumbs, "'wondering why we feel so spiritually empty and weak. "'Come to the bountiful table.' Sit with your generous Lord and feed your starving soul. What else did Jesus say about Mary? Not only was she doing the one necessary thing, but she had chosen the good portion. The good portion was necessary, but it was also a choice. Our bodies won't survive more than a few days without water. It is necessary for life. But you and I still make the choice every day to drink from a cup that literally sustains our life. The same is true of your spiritual cup. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm seventy three twenty six. Jesus was Mary's portion. Is he yours? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Is your hunger and thirst satisfied in Christ? Do you love being in his presence? If you are binging on junk food, you will not have an appetite for a fresh, healthy meal. And in the same way, your soul cannot crave the bread of life if, like Martha, you are distracted with much serving or anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus comes to us in love and authority. Don't discount his authority because of his love for you. It is Christ himself who tells us what is truly necessary. The next time you are tempted to think that there are many earthly things that you must do, remember what he said. As the world careens on in all its frenetic madness, and many demands insist on our attention, we can become people who choose to be still, sit at the Lord's feet, and listen to his voice, for it's in his word that we will receive the good portion we need most. And with that, I'm going to leave the episode there. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if nothing else, I hope you took away that Jesus is the only thing you need. And I hope that you will sit at his feet today. Let your mind be still. Let your hands grow heavy. And just be with our Lord. Let him talk to you. Let yourself sit with him. And understand that in that space, you're putting all of life in it in the right alignment and in the right priority. Jesus first, then everything else. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Narrow Road Podcast. And I will, of course, be back tomorrow for another one. And we are going to keep on going. Thank you for listening, and bye bye.